I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, peeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue. Commission as a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict, along with my co-host, Dustin Church at Dynasty Junkie FF. And Dustin, football is back. I'm so excited. Our first actual show with actual football games played. How are you feeling? I'm feeling awesome. Uh, watching football this weekend was fantastic. But the, my most exciting thing actually from this weekend, my, my son decided he wanted to do his first football league with me. You told He's me 11 that. years old. Um, he drafted most of his team on his own. Like he asked me for advice throughout the draft, but his team turned out well and he enjoyed it. And we actually like were watching the Seahawks game on, on Sunday morning. And like, he had, Julio and DK in the, in the game. And like, so it was just seeing that the excitement of having <laughs> players play and being able to watch your score change. Like, you know, I've been doing it for like 15 plus years. So I, I understand that, but like for him, it was just a whole new thing. So it was really exciting to, to be able to do that with him. Um, it was a family one, only an eight team league, like just some cousins out in like Boston and, and Indy that were doing it. So I thought it was a good way to introduce him, but that was the highlight for my weekend. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I just enjoyed all the games. My son is uh, nine, and he is—he just got into football last year. So I, I maybe, and maybe next year I'll have to get him into a fantasy league. But he definitely enjoys it. He watches all the Eagles games with me. Uh, so that was probably the best part—just watching the game with my son. Uh, He's—I think this is the first time he's really in it from the beginning of the season. He got kind of mid last year. He started really getting hardcore NFL fans. So. Wait, you—you—you you, you enjoyed watching the Eagles game? <laughs> well, I didn't enjoy the result, but I enjoyed having my son with me. Um, but yeah, like especially I have four kids and all the other three, I have not been able to get into football. This one, I finally got it right. So, <laughs> um, but let's get into it here. We have, we do have a guest this week, a great guest, uh, Chris Allen from uh, many different uh, fantasy football things. But the one I want to ask him about is, is Chris. What's going on with Dynasty Owners Manual? Are we ever coming back? I know Adam had the kid, but come on. I, I know, fellas. <laughs> I, I've been I've been hounding him for for weeks now, uh, just almost to the point where uh, Adam's wife is probably going to start like hating me at some point. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're on a hiatus for for a little bit longer. Uh, we've actually been talking to the folks over at uh, DLF because we've been doing some mailbag work with them. Uh, just kind of giving them an update, and we'll we'll be back uh, here soon enough. Uh, just as soon as uh, like his kids been having, uh, you know, they've been getting him or her on a sleep schedule, so we'll be back soon enough. 
Okay, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So we'll get right into the show then, and we always start with our fantasy face-off. Fantasy face-off! In season here, I think we like to try and kind of gear them towards what's happened this past week, and I thought this one was pretty appropriate. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus Jonathan Taylor. Who would you prefer to own in Dynasty? We know CEH had the good game. Taylor is now the guy with Mac. Yeah, I didn't... We. We often reference ADP when we do these, but given we're in season and and the the ADP is not going to reflect the fact that uh that Mac is gone, we didn't do that, but we did poll it. Uh, I believe there were over sixteen hundred votes on the poll, and CH actually came out sixty one percent to thirty nine percent, which is a little. I knew CH would win the poll, but it's a little bigger than I thought it would be. And uh, a lot of times I'll throw it to a guest first, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start off here. And uh, just give my thoughts on this one. And uh, I did put out a, a tweet shortly after the game saying that the uh, recept- the lack of receptions and the, uh, the the horrible goal line work, which I know J.J. J. J. Watt blew up a lot of those plays, but that was a little bit of a red flag for me. Uh, so uh, I, got, I got some – I'm a CEH hater from that, but I do like CEH, but I am taking JT here. Um, he did have the better production profile in college. He did have the better athletic profile at the combine, and basically, Ch just had the better situation. And now he is in the better offense, but I don't think it. You know, the situation got a lot closer with Mac out of the picture, especially with the fact that we saw uh, Jonathan Taylor catch six passes this week, which that was not expected. Um, even though Hines got in, the, you know, got his eight receptions as well. I guess that that Rivers narrative is holding true of throwing to the running backs. So, and I do think uh, JT has that great O line as well. If he's catching passes to watch out, I'm still taking JT despite the results of the Twitter poll. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I think I'd have to lean towards Jonathan Taylor, uh, even though I, I was an ardent. I mean, I was on that Mac train, like coming back for the 2020 season. It just sucks to see him go out. Uh, with the Achilles injury, uh, but I do think that Jonathan Taylor is in a better position now in order to in order to score not just uh, because of his athletic profile, like coming out of coming out of college, but I do think that with Philip Rivers' tendency to target the running backs. I mean, last season, 2019, when he was still in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, he was targeting the running backs at a 30.3% rate. That was uh, the, either the third or fourth highest like in the NFL. And we see him really take that same tendency from LA over to Indianapolis. Like where, And also on top of that, like the neutral pace of, of passing. I mean, uh, the Chargers were one of the top uh, in neutral passing scripts in 2019. Now they're back up. I mean, a huge leap from where they were at. Uh, with Frank Wright and Jacoby Brissett like in 2019. So if we're seeing more pass attempts to running backs, just more pass attempts in general, which we know that pass attempts are more valuable than rushing attempts, then I do think that Jonathan Taylor is in a better spot to score. And if we think, I mean, if the narrative holds true that because Taylor is the, I guess, the more athletic, more powerful runner, and since we already do have at least some concerns, like I did see some uh, reports out there that, the rushing attempts at the goal line for Clyde Edwards-Lair were actually designed in order to fail because they were trying to like kill the clock at that point. I don't know how much I buy into that, mm-hmm. but at least it does make it does make some sense, like given the context of the game. But still, I do think that if Jonathan Taylor were given similar opportunities, I do I do lean towards believing that Jonathan Taylor would be able to convert on those plays over Clyde Edwards-Lair. So if Jonathan Taylor is going to get a similar number of red zone or scoring opportunities. 
I do think that he's going to wind up being the better scorer in 2020 between the two. Yeah, I think, the, and the, the the whole passing thing is a great point with Philip Rivers. It's just if John if Jonathan Taylor can catch passes, we just you know we were worried about Hines, and, and they ended up having I think 17 uh, targets to the running backs, so including yeah. Mac. So mm-hmm. that that narrative definitely seems to be holding true. Dustin, what do you think? Are you JT also, or are you going Clyde Edwards-Helaire? I'm JT all the way. I was JT before the season started, and the I. You know, before the season started, I could see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for year one because Mac was there. And I was one of the big believers. I was like, you know, JT's not going to get his until something happens with Mac. Unfortunately for Mac, that happened in week one. Like, you couldn't have written this up any better, really, like, from a narrative standpoint. Um, But I think JT just fits what that team wants to do. And like like Chris and uh, Rocky said, that O-line is fantastic. And... I just think that he's at the end of the end of the season, he's going to be right up there with CH. And I just like him from a prototypical running back better than CH. Like we're splitting hairs with both of them. I don't think that, you know, Clyde Hilaire is going to have zero receptions for every game of the season. Like, so I think that's going to balance out between the two of them, but give me the more prototypical back in, in JT and we'll sweep it three for three. Yeah, and I agree with you, Sid. He's not going to, I mean, obviously he's not going to have zero receptions every game. But I, I do think that the Chiefs have generally, in, since Mahomes has been there, have not been big on throwing to the running backs. Andy Reid in the past has, but the Eagles. But uh, in Kansas City, it doesn't seem like it's been as big a part of their game. I don't know if Mahomes doesn't like it or, or what, or he's just more inclined to go downfield. But it's going to be definitely interesting to see it play out now that, that they both have you know, the kind of the ideal situation of leading their backfield. So um, one thing I wanted to mention before we move on is uh, no commissioner corner this week. And uh, we mentioned uh, last week, we might tweak the format a little bit in season. That's, that's one of the things we're looking at is uh, occasionally we may, if we see a, a commissioner topic that makes sense to talk about in season, we will do that, but it'll probably be a little more sporadic uh, on the commissioner topic. So we are, we are going over that uh, segment this week and going right into Dynasty Strategy. Dynasty Strategy. And that'll be a lot of uh, weekly stuff, obviously, in season. Uh, we're going to start off with talking about some of the injuries and then get to some of the storylines and uh, definitely talk strategy as well. You know, guys we might be buying or selling based off what's happened. So just to start with the injuries, the big one is Michael Thomas. Uh, he had the uh, injury towards the end of the game last week. And they're now saying, uh, I heard a quote, several weeks possibly. I don't know exactly how many that will be. But uh, what do you think of this, uh, Chris? Is, is Sanders step up? Is, is Traquan viable? What do you think? Uh, I mean, first off, I mean, that just the, he, he's on one of my dynasty squads. And he was basically like, well, take that back. I've got a dynasty squad with Thomas and Kittle on it. And so I <laughs> <Yeah>. am just. <laughs> As do I, actually. <laughs> it is just the absolute worst. And, and Evans. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So you're in a worse, worse situation than I am. Uh, but I do think the one thing that I, I did notice, uh, and I actually went back and watched like some clips of the game, the all 22 is still not out yet, but just going back through like the actual, uh, like I had it uh, recorded. Um, but like, do we, like, do people still have concerns about like Drew Brees' arm? Cause I still kind of do. Uh, it did look like during that game that uh, like some of the deep passes like really weren't didn't have like the same zip on them or like any zip on it at, um, on them at all. So while we do uh, while we 
Michael Thomas was typically used on some of those like slant routes and like crossers and uh, some of those that would be like shorter. I do wonder if they're going to try and mold like Traquan and like Emmanuel Sanders, even though like Emmanuel Sanders was more uh, for those types of routes anyway. But I do wonder if they're going to wind up using Traquan like in a similar fashion because like the couple of targets that he did get like were some of the shorter targets he wasn't able to haul both of them in but at least he ran like a similar number of targets to emmanuel sanders like in week one so while sanders was got the highlight reel because he was the one with the touchdown i do think that traquan like will be at least uh more utilized in that offense i mean i still think it's going to be primarily uh jared cook Alvin Kamara. I mean, those are the guys, those are the primary guys, but I think Traquan will still wind up kind of slotting into that third option and we'll see what he can do with it. Yeah. I like the idea of, of getting him on the chief just to see what happens. I mean, he's, he's almost free at this point. I mean, mm -hmm. his price might've gone a little up because, because of the injury, but he's, you you can probably still get him even for a third at this point. Uh, Dustin, what do you think? Yeah, any interest in Traquan? I know you made a trade too for Michael Thomas this week. Yeah, I actually traded for Michael Thomas <laughs> this morning. I got an offer. Um, the guy was trying to sell him. He was, I think, he was panicking. This guy's a, a panic seller. Sorry, Mello, if you're if you're listening, but you know he <laughs> he won last year, so I think he's trying trying to win back to backs. And so I I, I bought Michael Thomas today. I've always liked Traquan though. Like I've always had that like spot for him just because he had a couple of those flashy games. I'm hoping he does something. Um, like you said, Rocky, he is super cheap right now. I think he will be, he'll have some viable flex weeks, but I think those targets, especially with like what Chris said with Drew Brees' arm, I think that's going to be a lot more to Jared Cook and, and Alvin Kamara than really elevating Traquan. Like obviously they're going to need another guy out there. So Traquan will get his but i think they're gonna just spread it more to jared cook and to emmanuel sanders i think he will you'll see his target increase go up and then you'll see just kamara be more involved um in the receiving game um I, if you can get him for a third i'm buying but other than that i don't really have much interest in traquan yeah yeah definitely only if you can get him cheap obviously yes so um uh, another another uh injury news this week the jets put both bell Le'Veon bell and mims on ir does uh, anyone care about any jets running back now that bell is down no <laughs> i didn't I mean, really care about bell before he went down like i just i'm i'm surprised that gates hasn't been fired yet like after week one like he's i don't get it he has to be done like and here we are it's frank gore season again like in <laughs> like the eternal Frank Gore. Yeah. He, he's 37 <laughs> years old. He's still going to go out. He's going to put up 100 yards this week just because, Probably. you know, like, but I have no interest in any Jets. Um, I actually think they might compete with, with Jacksonville for the number one pick. Like, Jacksonville went and beat Indy, which isn't, Indy's a good team. So, mm -hmm. and New York is terrible. And so I have no interest in any Jets. Crowder's hurt now. Like, they, they literally have nobody. And so I have, I have no interest in Bell, no interest in Mims or anybody else on that team. No, I mean, yeah. I'm in the same boat. I mean, they're playing, so they're playing San Francisco this week. So we got like the Frank Gore, like revenge game narrative, like going on, but still, I mean, the, the best thing that, uh, really that in order to attack uh, the San Francisco defense is by actually having their running backs, like play as pass catchers. I mean, we saw Chase Edmonds, I kind of ding them a little bit uh, this past weekend. 
Uh, I think Kenyon Drake like got most of his like through the uh, through the air as well. At least the, he saw the most success through the air. But that's really not Frank Gore's game anymore. So if Frank Gore actually like had that as part of his like utility on the field, then I can I could buy into it. But I mean, considering he's just you know mostly just a bulldozer at this point, I'm not buying into any of that. I mean, not if anything. I mean, just if I wanted like do a punt play like on Chris Herndon, maybe. But other than that, no, I don't want any of those running backs. Yeah, definitely agree. And uh, yeah, the I mean, the only viable guy on there is, is Jameson Crowder. And as as Dustin mentioned, he's banged up now, too. Yep. So I don't know. Uh, maybe it's Prashad Perryman season. I don't know. But <laughs> I do like Mims, but I, I don't want Mims until Gase is gone at the end of the year or right. by the end of the year. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And they get somebody in that knows. Killer. Yeah, he's <laughs> there's no way he's going to make it past the season. Like there's. A zero percent chance. I, I, sure I think he's going to be a mid-season fire, and then yeah. Let me ask you guys this: since you brought it up, this is uh, going a little off, but uh, if Gase lasts the whole year and, and they get the number one pick, do you think Darnold lasts beyond this season? No, nope. Yeah, so you think it's, it's good? You got to go Trevor Lawrence if you get the number one pick, no matter what, even with the young quarterback. Yeah, they seem like the team that would probably do that, even though they have a number of uh, needs they need to address elsewhere. Offensive line, defensive line. I mean, they just like shipped off Jamal Adams, you know, just what a few weeks ago. So, I mean, with the number of like with the number of needs they need to address on both sides of the ball, they do seem like the franchise that would just try and slot in a rookie quarterback and try and reset the whole franchise, even though I mean, the ship is sinking, but they're not really trying to acknowledge that at this point. If they were smart, I think they would try to like sell the that first pick for King's ransom, like mm-hmm. let someone get Trevor Lawrence. But it's also going to be hard to pass on Trevor Lawrence, like in all reality. Like you know, I think Minshew would be a great quarterback to stay in Jacksonville. But Jacksonville, if they're number one, they're going to take Lawrence. Like there's no no doubt about it. Um, you you have to take Lawrence in that situation. Right, as I was going to say, it's hard to, to, no matter which team you are, it's hard to pass up on Lawrence. I mean, he's probably the most uh, hyped guy and, and, and best QB prospect since maybe, I guess, Andrew Luck. So I, I, it's going to be hard for anyone to pass on, even if Darnold has shown flashes. Um, mm-hmm. But if they get the number one pick, he probably hasn't had a great year anyway. So, well, yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll get on to the next one, which is surprise, surprise, James Conner is hurt again. And uh, we saw Benny Snell of all people go off in week uh, week one. Uh, sounds like Connor may be back next season. Uh, but Dustin, you you have what do you? What, uh, there was a lot of hype. I feel like coming in like during the most of the off season, most people were off Connor, and as we got closer and closer, everyone started getting into him. Uh, are you? Would you be interested in buying Connor Low? Are you just trying to sell him for anything? Do you have any interest in Benny Snell? What do you think, Dustin? Another situation I want to avoid. Um, I wasn't one of those ones that was hyping up Connor. I I saw him creeping up ahead of David Johnson and, and guys like that in the draft. And I just he I've been burned by him too many times. I've had a couple shares on him. I had him in a league where that season that he took over for Bell and blew up, and I sold him. And he's been hurt ever since. And I I I like having Pittsburgh running backs, but I think I don't think there's any any chance that he's back in Pittsburgh next year. And so I just, in, in dynasty, I don't think that he's going to have any long-term value. Um, I am somewhat interested in snow because they were talking him up a lot um, in the off season. I, I heard a lot of camp buzz about him and Pittsburgh doesn't usually go out and, and spend money on running backs. So 
go if they don't draft anybody next year, like there's a chance that Snell is just the guy, just like Connor became the guy. Same thing with Snell. He looked pretty good this last week. It was the Giants, so we'll see how it goes when he has a, a more tough matchup. But I have slight interest, but I know right now with the Connor injury, I wouldn't be able to buy him for anything that I would want to pay for him. Chris, your thoughts on that, the whole Pittsburgh situation? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, historically, you always want to have the, like, the Pittsburgh starting running back. I mean, going back to when Le'Veon Bell was there, when he got hurt, D'Angelo Williams, like, and he took over for him. I mean, they've, they've, they've consistently shown that they want to give the majority of the workload to the running back, but it's just trying to figure out who that running back is supposed to be. And, like, I understood the logic, and I actually bought into the logic over the offseason because, like, you know, James Conner was posting those thirst traps like on on Twitter, like showing that he was bulked up. You know, he and we didn't hear. Uh, I mean, for what little we heard throughout the offseason, we didn't hear about any setbacks. It looked like he was ready to go. And then within the first like four plays of the game, it just looked like either he hurt himself during pregame warmups or he hurt himself in the very first play. I don't know what happened, but regardless, I mean, it was just the Benny Snell show after that. And while. He wound up being uh, 22nd in success rate, like for all running backs, like throughout week one. I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't really care about like what his success rate was compared to the other running backs. I mean, the guy still wound up posting a buck 13. He did his job. I mean, he showed out pretty well. I guess my, my only concern is that his lack of usage in the passing game, because like with Ben Roethlisberger, like back and he looked like relatively healthy. I mean, there weren't, there weren't too many concerns like with the elbow. I know they showed a shot of him uh, like wearing like the sleeve or something like that, like some at some point during the game. But regardless, I mean, they still passed at either like the fifth or sixth highest like neutral passing rate. I think they were like 62, 63%. And then uh, in the red zone, it was even, it was even higher because like most of their passes were going to like Juju Smith-Schuster, Eric Ebron, I think that like, was, uh, was getting some work like inside the red zone. So without Snell really having like a, like a viable, or at least from, from week one, all right, like small sample size, totally understand that without seeing him more involved in the passing game, because th that's really what Jalen Samuels was used for. Like I do have my concerns about like what his fantasy production is going to be going forward, but looking at their schedule, I mean, so next week they play, they play Denver. And we just saw, like, I mean, Derrick Henry just, like, plowed into them for, like, however many yards. Uh, then they play Houston after that. CEH did, a, did, like, a you know, a decent job against Houston. And then, uh, let's see, in week four, they play against Tennessee. So, and then Melvin Gordon, like, he, I thought he did, like, fairly decent like, against against Tennessee. So there's, there's a path to Benny Snell, like, at least being a decent, like, RB2 player, like, over the next few weeks. Long term, I would need to see more from him out of the passing game. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, I don't, I don't hate the idea if you can get a Connor injury discount on Connor if you're a contender. Uh, I mean, he may only be out a week or two, if that. And I mean, the, obviously the chances are, are seem to be not, you know, somewhat high that he might get hurt again because mm -hmm. that's the narrative, and it happened week one. But uh, he he generally does produce when on the field. Um, so if you can get him maybe for a second, I wouldn't hate that. But I'm not really that interested in Snell because, like you said, there, there's no passing game upside. Uh, I wasn't. I, he did get 100 yards this week. I think he was one of only like two guys to get a, over 100 yards rushing this week. Mm -hmm. But but I've never been a big fan of, of Snell as a prospect. So I, I would pass on him. I wouldn't mind getting Connor in an injury discount if you can do that. Um, but it would have to be somewhat cheap. And the last injury we're just going to mention here is uh, Philip Lindsay. He's got a turf toe thing. Looks like he may be out a few weeks. 
Um, he's getting a second opinion, so they haven't said for sure yet, but that turf toe is usually a bit of an issue there. I actually kind of liked Philip Lindsay a little bit. I, I thought he was going to get more work than, than maybe people were expecting, and it seemed that way early on in the uh, Titans game. Uh, they were splitting fairly evenly, but then uh, then Gordon took over and did pretty well. So uh, I get I guess this is uh, uh, good news for for Melvin Gordon. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, because he was pushing for those like RB one like type of touch share. I mean, what fifteen rushes? I think like three or four targets, so like a nine ish ten percent like target share. I mean, that's essentially what we were drafting him at, like when uh, he was going in, like you know, the third, fourth round, and like in best ball drafts. And then from a dynasty perspective, I mean, from him moving over, like switching teams, I mean, his his contract, like while it being fairly front loaded, at least it seemed to to me, it looked like he was going to be like the main guy with Philip Lindsay, and then like Royce Freeman was essentially left for dead, uh, being like the guy that I mean, so he still retained some of his value despite like you know he's what twenty six, I think, or something like that. I think yeah. twenty five. 26 so still i mean dynasty value sustained for now uh the only my only issue is that offense as a whole i mean i, I didn't really come out of that game like feeling great about drew lock uh but i mean could that have been just because they lost Curtin sutton like so close to week one entirely possible uh so i mean i i would need to see more just out of that the offense in general but from like in a vacuum melvin gordon by himself i, I think from a dynasty perspective i mean he's in pretty good shape yeah, great. Dustin, uh, what do you think on, on Gordon? I, I definitely can see him balling out a little here while uh, while Lindsay's out. Yeah, I I like Gordon. I know that he's not the most efficient runner, but like he finds ways to put up points. Like it's scoring, it's catching the ball. Like he can do all of it. I don't like him this week against Pittsburgh. I don't like any running back against Pittsburgh. That defense yeah. is pretty pretty legit. You saw what they did to Saquon. Saquon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But point four I, yards per carry. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean that defense is going to be that that front seven is one of the best front sevens like in the league. Like they're the be- I think they're the best. Um, so I don't like him this week, but like I think this will just give Gordon that the opportunity to separate himself a little bit more from Lindsay. Now, when Lindsay gets back, I think he's going to be fine. But like you said, Rocky turf toe something that lingers, and I th- I think he'll miss more than what is being led on right now. I could see him probably missing four or five games just because that seems to be something that lingers. I'm right there with you, Chris. I wasn't that excited about that offense. Andrew Locke, our, our boy Bobby Koch, right after the game tweeted out, oh, interesting that uh, Drew Locke was a quarterback three this week. You know, he's, he's been on that. So he's going to take those victory laps whenever he can get them. But oh, of course, I think I think it was mostly because Sutton wasn't there. And Judy looked good. He had a couple of big drops that I think would have changed things. But when you're going from Carlin Sutton to Tim Patrick as your is your next wide receiver, like you know, um, we did see Fant ball out though, so I think mm-hmm. that um, we'll see how that w- looks when Sutton comes back. But I think Gordon's going to get his. He's going to find a way to be effective for your fantasy team, even if he's not that effective on the on the field. Um, but I, I'd be buying him. I, I'd pay late first, early second. Probably late first form is what you have to pay, and I, I'd be fine paying him for that because he's going to be the guy, I think, for a good portion of the year now. Yeah, and we know I've been a, a, a lock guy, and yeah, this wasn't the greatest week, but I do think that Titans defense is fairly good, So, and, and the fact that Sutton was out, it was obviously a big issue. Um, and like you said, next week against Pittsburgh might be tough as well. Um, I think the biggest thing, too, is that is that if – 
Lindsay is out, say, three to four weeks. It gives Gordon a chance to kind of make his case that he should just be the sole RB1, the lead back, and Lindsay might not be worked in as much as he was prior to that because of that if, if he does play well after Pittsburgh. So we'll see how it plays out. And so done with the injuries. And we're going to get to some of the some of our uh, stories, storylines we were looking at from week one. And I think one of the biggest ones, especially from a dynasty perspective, is the rookie running backs. Um, we all wanted to see how they did in week one. Some of them had some pretty good games, some not so much. We already talked about Clyde and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Dobbins, Dobbins had two touchdowns this week. And Joshua Kelly had a touchdown this week. So um, what do you think of Dobbins, Chris? Is, is, is it going to be, is he going to already overtake Ingram? Because we were all hoping for that. Um, he did, he was, the, I think the only two goal, the goal line touches that they had was, was by Dobbins over Ingram. So what do you think? Uh, I don't want to sound biased since I do live in Ohio, uh, but I, and I was, my expectation, I think everybody's expectation was that uh, Dobbins would at least play the, the one B role to, to Mark Ingram's one a. And uh, I, I'm wondering though, like now that I'm, I'm looking at not just this game, but I'm looking at like the league in totality. And it did seem like they were trying to like a lot of teams were trying to make statements like with some of their rookies. I mean, we saw how much Kansas City used Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, the injury, of course, uh, kind of vaulted Jonathan Taylor like up to the front of the, the leaderboard there. But I do think that he was getting sprinkled in along with Marlon Mack like before the injury. But regardless, J.K. Dobbins getting mixed in. Uh, Lavishka Chenault getting mixed in. I mean, so there, I mean, James Robinson, I'm sure we'll talk about him like shortly, but I think there were a lot of rookies. I mean, Joshua Kelly, obviously there were a lot of rookies. I think that teams were just trying to make sure that they saw enough NFL action because they didn't have the preseason to really like, you know, force them into like some professional, like, like live action games. So I do wonder if that was like part of trying to get them acclimated to the game. And, uh, but still, I, I, I do think that, I mean, you make it, you make a great point in that, uh, most of the goal, I mean, all of the touches within the five, that was JK Dobbins, uh, touches within the, uh, with it from within the 20, they were split like between uh, him and Mark Ingram. The only thing that like really confused me though, was that like they, neither of them, I mean, none of the running backs, neither like him, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards. I mean, not like we consider Gus Edwards a pass catcher, but like none of them received like any targets. And while, Mark Ingram was still like a fairly functional part of the pass game last season. I expected to at least see him get like maybe like two or three targets, but like none of that was a part of their game plan against Cleveland. Now, could it have been just because they just completely mashed the Browns that they didn't have to do any of that? Sure. I mean, Mark Ingram and uh, Lamar Jackson, they were out of the game like two minutes into the fourth quarter. So really with only playing about 75% of the game and they were, they wound up winning like what 38 to six. I mean, they really right. probably didn't really have to like rip out much of the playbook to begin with. So it's possible that in, you know, in their next couple of games, I mean, they're playing Houston like this week, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, but it's possible that they have to now start to be a little bit more creative on offense. You know, Houston's definitely not going to roll over like Cleveland did. So it, I, I, to me, the only question I have is if they're pressed into an actual competitive game, like will Mark Ingram now become a more part of the passing game uh, as much as, I mean, more so than what we saw like this past week. And then will that force them to actually use Mark Ingram more? If not, I mean, and this is the split that we're, we're going to see. I mean, my goodness. I mean, the, the sky's the absolute limit for, for Dobbins moving forward. 
Yeah, I, lo- I love Dobbins, and and that's a good point too. If they get into a more competitive game, do they do they also just rely in general more on the the veteran running back in Ingram? Um, and he did actually still have more carries than Dobbins this week, but Dobbins got the goal line work. Uh, Dustin, what are you thinking on Joshua Kelly? Oh man, I love Joshua Kelly. Like I I was talking about him all offseason. Like you're not going to have Eckler get as many targets as he did last year and rush the ball, you know, be the only rushing guy out there. And I'm not, I wasn't that worried about Justin Jackson and then seeing Josh Kelly, you know, 12 for 60 and a touchdown, you know, five yards per carry. Um, I think he looked great and I I'm really excited about him. Um, I've, I'm taking my victory lap a little bit on that. Like I've been on Josh Kelly since, since the draft, I just thought he was, he was a great fit there. And I think we'll see more out of that offense going forward. Like Tyrod looks terrible in this game and Joshua Kelly was still there to produce. And I think he's just going to get more and more trust with that offense. And like Eckler, like I've been saying all offseason, Eckler isn't a traditional running back. Like he's not going to be the guy that you're going to hand the ball off to, uh, you know, 20 times a game. Like he's just not going to be that. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Joshua Kelly in that offense. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, that's a good point, and I definitely agree. I see. I, could see, I mean, not that I'm comparing him to Melvin Gordon, but I could see it being a similar situation. Uh, although Eckler did did get more of the carries than than I think maybe we even expected. I think he, he had mm-hmm. 19 carries, um, but but uh, yeah, this week was a little interesting. Like we had Dobbins, who everyone said was going to be the receiving back, get the goal line carries. We had Ceh, yeah. who was supposed to be the receiving back, get zero no, receptions, no, yeah. no receptions, and got in six goal line carries. And we and, see Jonathan Taylor out there catching six passes. Right. And you know the next guy on the list, I, I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, Rocky. You know the guy that wasn't going to get any targets, and Josh Jacobs, he got six targets and four catches. Rocky, Rocky said that you know he didn't even have. We'll get Jacobs. into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, Rocky said that Jacobs was not a running back one for the season, and he looked pretty good in week one. So it was just, it was just interesting. All the, all the narratives that were out there were completely flipped. Like yes. Eckler, Eckler had more carries than what we we thought he was going to have, and not as many receptions. And like, mm-hmm. so it was just all the narratives were completely flipped, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. That that's a really good point. It was really it was really interesting to see, and I definitely think Kelly's going to be involved to the extent he was this week. And if he's the guy getting the touchdowns, that could that could be very good for him. Uh, one other rookie running back, which is somebody no one was talking about until about two weeks ago, is uh, I think Chris mentioned him earlier, James Robinson, and he did get he I believe he got every single carry for Jacksonville this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, did did okay ish. Uh, I think he had nineteen for sixty nine. Um, I I'm not really that interested in him, even with that. I I mean he did get all the carries. I was a little surprised Chris Thompson got no work. But uh, Armstead and Azigbo are both on the injured list right now. And I think when everyone's back, it's just going to be a giant mess. You, you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, and I think that whole game against Indianapolis was just bizarre. I mean, I didn't watch that particular game, but I'm go- I was going back and like uh, processing all the data that I could pull. And like, did you guys know that? that so Jacksonville, really, they only executed like 46 or 47 offensive plays oh, like wow. in that game. I mean, everybody else was at like, you know, 60 was probably about the average. You know, I think Atlanta and Seattle like probably posted like closer to 70. 
Yeah, uh, but I saw Gardner didn't throw a lot of passes, but I didn't realize yeah. it was that low. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm just like from from a like trying to pull any sort of I guess like conclusion or like take like pulling takeaways from that game and like actually feeling like secure on them to me just feels like kind of weird because I just I couldn't believe that they played at such a slow pace. I mean, especially considering that I mean Indianapolis. I mean they still ran like 60 plays. I mean between Philip Rivers passing and then. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, like getting, you know, getting up on the ground. I mean, so I was just, I was really surprised that that was their response to uh, like at least a normal pace of play, like from the Colts, they just decided they were going to slow it down, you know, efficiently march it down the field. And then Gardner Minshew was going to complete 19 of 20 passes on them. It was just bizarre. But for James Robinson specifically, I mean, from uh, like for, for him to walk, like essentially, I mean, literally just walk into uh, like a starter role, Hundred percent touches. Uh, I think he be. I think he got one target. So so that's like one out of twenty. So that's five percent. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, so that's that's something. Uh, so I. I mean, the only thing that I can think like moving forward is that he is going to be like their main guy. I guess the only thing that I really want to see is just a game where they're forced, like a, a com- like a more competitive game where they're really forced to make a comeback, because that's what we were kind of latching on. Uh, for like Chris Thompson's role, you know, being that pass catching guy, or even just like Gardner Minshew in general, uh, just having more have more passing volume. So if like none of that really exists, then we really won't have as much like fantasy like goodness that we want out of that squad. So I mean, while James Robinson like did well, I mean like fourteen for sixty nine. Okay, cool. I mean that that's decent, especially given the context of that team, their offensive line, so on and so forth. But I would like to see at least either more volume or just more, more just more play volume in general, so that I mean the, the, that's really going to be the tide that lifts all ships, so that we can see more fantasy production out of everybody there. Yeah, and that's a good point. Is I think we are going to see more passing volume going forward. I mean, they're going to be trailing a lot. They're not. They're not a very good team. Uh, maybe I guess maybe that was their game since you pointed it out that maybe that was their game plan to try and stay in the game was to slow down the pace on offense. But uh, I just don't see them, you know, being able to stay in games as well as they were this, this week. Uh, And I'd basically, if you can get anything for James Robinson, I'd be looking to sell. Um, Maybe you can get a second at this point. I don't know. Uh, I, I might even take a third. I just don't see anybody being great in that going forward in that offense at the running back position. And, and I do like Ryquell a little bit, so I think he'll might be involved once he comes off that COVID list. You have any thoughts on James Robinson, uh, Dustin? No, I mean, we already spent too much time on James Robinson as it is. You got a good point there. <laughs> um, but no, you guys said it. Nothing really to add there. Uh, I was going to add that Ryquell could come off the COVID list at any time. But you just hit that, so. <laughs> okay. And then a couple of, uh, I guess, negative stories from uh, some of the rookie running backs this week. Uh, DeAndre Swift only got – he did get a touchdown, which was nice. But uh, Should have had two. Should have had yeah. two. I saw that he, he dropped a wide-open pass in the end zone. It would have been a not nicer-looking game. But um, he only had, I think, three carries. I think I saw today that – that our old friend AP actually had more touches than DeAndre Swift and carry on combined. Uh, is, is this going to be a problem all season, Dustin, you think? I mean, I think so. Like AP looked good. What was he like 14 for 93 or something like that? Like yep. he had a good game. I think he had a couple um, catches too. <laughs> yeah. And I think he just fits what Patricia wants to do. 
which is crazy to me that AP is still out there. And but you know, AP does this. He'll the new he'll Frank Gore. Yeah, he, he <laughs> goes to he goes to a new team and he, he blows up the first couple of weeks and then he falls off. I'm not worried about Swift long term. I I think if anything, this is going to just hurt Carry On more than anything. And I've talked down about Carry On all all off season. He just doesn't seem like he wants to be a running back. He doesn't seem like he wants to be in the league. He's just fine being, you know, a, a bench guy. So, yes, it was unfortunate the game Swift had. Luckily, he saved you with a touchdown. But it was only his first game. I'm not too worried about Swift. Um, you know, Galladay was a late scratch, so they had to kind of change their game plan a little bit, which is I think is where AP came into play. Swift will still get his. If you can get him at a discount right now because of AP's performance, then I'd buy him, but I'm not worried. Uh, to your point about a uh, carry on too. I remember we had uh, Ryan McDowell on uh, earlier in the off season. And he, he said that he had some info from someone in Detroit that carry on does not want to, not want to be the lead guy. So uh, yeah, I, I, I basically have no interest in carry on at the, at, at this point uh, with the three of them there. I just don't see carry on ever being, relevant possibly ever again and uh i agree with you i mean there's no i i see no issues with Swift long term i'm definitely worried about 2020 though uh patricia's from that new england school of, of rotating the backs and and at least from week one he apparently seems to like ap so <laughs> um but we'll get into the other guy that i was going to talk about here which is uh the one rookie running back we haven't talked about which is cam Akers, and he played the number two role, it seemed, this week to Malcolm Brown. Uh, he did only have four less carries, so I, I, I don't know it's that big of a concern. I could see this being a hot hand situation where Malcolm Brown had the hot hand this week. If Cam Akers goes for like 30 yards on his first two carries next week, maybe he gets more carries. Uh, you think Malcolm Brown's going to stay involved heavily, Chris? Yeah, I think so. And like the team has been at least um... – like they they've wanted to keep Malcolm Brown involved. It, it was the same story last year when Daryl Henderson couldn't get going, and so it was like when they didn't have enough confidence, like in in Henderson, it was we'll just we'll keep Malcolm Brown involved, and he would wind up showing out. And so it's a similar situation here. I mean, with Henderson coming into this game uh, banged up with a hamstring injury, and Malcolm Brown kind of stealing the show. And uh, the one thing, and the one thing that really like uh, kind of caught my eye was that I mean, in a game where I mean, Jared Goff, I mean, while he, we didn't see like his, his normal, like his normal passing volume, like for, as the Rams, like would, would typically do, I mean, they still pass like at a, like fairly decent, like a neutral rate. It was, it was kind of low, like for, for them, like from based off of their last season total, but still, I mean, one target for Cam Akers. And I thought that was one of like his, you know, kind of calling cards, like coming out of college. So like I get that they have multiple options like already like in the passing game with, you know, Cup. I mean, Woods was just like an absolute monster uh, against Dallas and like in Higby still there. But like I, I thought that they would start to incorporate him a bit more into the passing game, like right out of the gate. So from that aspect, I am kind of worried about his long term, uh, like his long term outlook. Because if they're not going to, if, if that's not going to be a part of his game, if they're still going to rely on the plethora of pass catchers that they already have, a part of the squad. I mean, what is acres value going to be moving forward? I, I have some concerns. And yeah. And I'm just looking at it now to, to your point too. I mean, Malcolm Brown actually even got four targets and Cam yeah. Akers only got one. Right. So, so that's definitely a concern. I agree. 
Uh, do you, Dustin, do you think Cam can can overtake Brown during the season, or you think it's just going to be kind of a, a 50-50 thing all year? I think it'll be more of a 50-50 thing all year. Malcolm Brown looked good. Like, like, and he's the guy that they trust. And that team, like, if we look at the, the breakdown, they only had four targets to the running back. Like, you guys already talked about it. Like, four total targets for the game. Like, I think they want to use a three-headed monster and run the game and then just rely on their on their their big two receivers and and do it. Like the game isn't wasn't as close as it looks like. And Malcolm Brown seems like the guy they're gonna trust when they get get ahead and they're just gonna let him grind down the defense. And he looked good doing it. Now he's never been able to do it for a full season. Like we always see Malcolm Brown like when he's at the beginning of the season, he starts off he had well. Two gets, touchdowns in week one last year, too. Yep, he mm-hmm. gets a little dinged up, or he just doesn't seem like he has he can go a full season. So I still think Acres will have some value towards the end of the year. But like, yes, Henderson's still hurt right now, but there's still like gonna be carries and work for him to go around because they're gonna want to see what they have there. So it's just a full mess I don't really want to deal with right now. Um Acres is probably a 2021 play for me at this point, but you know, I guess we'll see, but Malcolm Brown looked really good. So until he can't handle it, I think he's going to be the guy. And I agree with that point. I'm a little worried about acres for 2020. Now I was, I was pretty big on him. I thought he would easily be ahead of Malcolm Brown, but it doesn't appear that way. And I'm not, like you said, I'm not sure that they ever really have either of these guys be quote unquote, the guy, um, unless one of them gets hurt. So, um, We'll move on to our next topic, which <laughs> Dustin, first of all, I want to say Dustin on Sunday texted me about two different takes I had this offseason, you know, kind of busting my balls about it. And I'm going to take the L on one of them, which is not the topic we're about to talk about, but one of them. And we don't actually have this on the show sheet, but he did. He did. uh uh, get at me a little because of my DeAndre Hopkins take that I was a little concerned about the new team and he obviously bought out ton of targets. So I'm going to take the L on that one already. Cause my whole take was that he's going to have trouble adjusting, you know, new receiver receiver in a new offense, all that stuff. And he busted it right out of the gate. So I will take the L on that one. I'm not so sure I'm totally ready to take the L on this one. Cause I never, I never hated Josh Jacobs. Obviously he had a good year last year. And uh, I will say this was against one of the worst offenses. Uh, I'm sorry, defenses in the league that he played this week. Um, he he actually only had a so-so game running. He had a bunch of carries, so he had 97 yards, but it was a so-so. But he got those four receptions for 46 yards. He had six targets, which we did not expect. But I'd like to see if he keeps doing that against – better defenses but if he does then obviously he's got super high upside potential he's the rb1 as of this week um but do you think the receptions continue chris uh yes i mean (laughs) it's hard for me to like to see a different path for him at this point but the one thing that i will say though are the well two things rather uh, first was that, uh, so all of his targets, uh, like pretty much all of his work, rather, it came while they were either in like, uh, the neutral game script or while they were playing with a lead. So, and we saw in 2019, uh, the shift away from Josh Jacobs came while they were trailing. 
And so that's when we saw like Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington. That's where we saw the, both of those guys, like the, the dual threat, like type of guys, like start to come in, even though Josh Jacobs, he can catch passes. Obviously he like, he rolled out of week one with a 20% target share, but that's, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to like over the next few games to see if, if they're put into a more competitive game, they're trailing. Do we start to see more of uh, either Booker or Richard? Because Booker, I mean, because I mean, Jacobs, he winds up with six targets. Booker wound up with three. So it still looks like he's going to be a, like a decent part of that passing offense, like right behind like Josh Jacobs. So if he's the the one B like behind him, like in terms of running back touches, then if they wind up trailing it, I mean, so let's see this week, they play against uh, the saints. So that should be competitive or we'll see how competitive it is like with the saints down Michael Thomas. Uh, after that, they play in like new England, Buffalo, Kansas city in, in week five. So, I mean, so those are games where they're definitely going to get tested in terms of like their offensive capability. So I'd be surprised if this target share holds over the next few weeks, but for sure, I will definitely take the L on, on Josh Jacobs. Cause I was in that same boat. I mean, everything that the Raiders had done like throughout the offseason had kind of shown us that they just weren't really bought in on Josh Jacobs being that full-on dual threat running back. I mean, That was they, my point exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they extend Richard. They bring in Booker. I mean, so they get rid of DeAndre Washington, but then they bring in Lynn Bowden. I mean, of course, but then afterwards, I mean, they kick out Theo Bowden. Riddick. Yeah, Theo Riddick. <laughs> I mean, they kick out Riddick. They kick out Bowden. I mean, so things start to trend backwards towards Jacobs, and then now, and then week one hits, and we see this. So I'm not faulting people for for at least holding on to that logic. I still think that because, especially in like redraft best ball leagues, he still held like a second round ADP. That at least the thought was he would still get the majority of like the rushing touches. Now this is just icing on the cake at this point. So I think for the folks that held firm, I mean, boy, take that victory lap for sure. Right, and that's where I'm at. I I was I was. He's definitely. I definitely thought he would be a low end RB one, high end RB two, but I didn't see this potential for passing. So, so Dustin, do you want to take your victory lap? No. <laughs> in all reality, like my my thoughts on Jacobs is that I thought the the rushing yards and the touchdowns would be there, and I said, you know, I would. I saw him getting four or five targets a game. Now, obviously, week one lined up with all that. He's not going to score three touchdowns a week, though. I do think he'll have some better yardage games to balance out his production from this week. But if he's getting four or five, six targets a game, I don't see barring injury that there's any way that he's not, you know, a mid RB one at this point, just because I think the touchdowns and the yardage will be there. Um, so, you know, I, I did love being able to text you and rub it in your face all weekend because all, all my takes were hitting. Like I talked about Josh Kelly, he hit, talked about Jacobs. I talked about Hopkins. So it was feeling really good to be able to like throw that in your face a little bit, but this is what I saw with, with Jacobs. And I really think they brought in those guys to like challenge Jacobs and which is why obviously they moved on from them, Bowden and because they, they saw that what they had in Jacobs and they, they challenged him a little bit in camp. And he showed that he could do it, and he showed that he did it in, in week one. It is – I do want to see, like, what Chris said, what happens after week one. Like, they extended Richard, and they didn't pay him a ton of money, but they, they paid him a decent amount of money. He had zero carries and one target. Like, it was just really interesting to see, like, that happen. So I think he will be more involved, which I think will impact Jacobs a little bit. So I am keeping my eye on that, but – I, I still think that Jacobs will be out there getting four, four or five targets a game. And if you can turn him into three or four catches a game, like there's no way he's not an RB one. 
Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, if he if he keeps catching the ball like this, the sky's the limit. We'll just see if that if that holds up or not. So uh, we got a few players here. I I put on the show sheet where I basically labeled it real or not. And the first one I have down here is Darius Slayton, and obviously a lot of people liked him, uh, but he had a huge week in week one. Uh, I I think we all think he's going to be a decent producer, but is he the Giants' wide receiver one? Even with tape back, even with Shepard there, what do you think, Dustin? Yes. <laughs> you think so too, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I argued with Bobby Koch about this like over over the offseason. I thought that, at least for, for my money, I still think that Sterling Shepard is the better receiver, but he's not being used in that manner at this point. So Darius Slayton is being used in that manner, and he's also producing. So got, got to hand it to him. Since he, since he came into the league, he's got the most double-digit touchdown games in the league. Like, oh wow! I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's definitely got got high upside, and um. So the, the next guy we have here is 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 not as uh, big of a, a a hype train, but I do think there were some corners of the dynasty community that that really liked this guy, uh, Russell Gage. Um, what do you what do you think is Russell Gage fantasy viable? Is this a total fluke? What do you think, Chris? I don't know if it's a total fluke, but like my eyebrows definitely raised because I mean, like, didn't like didn't Matt Ryan pass the ball like fifty some odd times this past week? So I mean, with that much volume, I would almost expect that like you know again play volume being that tide that lifts all ships. So if we're kind of expecting Julio and Calvin Ridley to be the centerpieces of that passing offense, uh, I'm I'm still kind of wondering like how the split between him and Hayden Hurst kind of shake out. Because Hayden Hurst, like, actually, he ran, I think, either two more or two less routes than Russell Gage. So he's out on the field, like, actually running receiving routes at a similar pace. So in weeks, like, in the weeks coming, is it still going to be Russell Gage that gets, like, those targets while they're both out there running routes? Or is it going to just be, the, I mean, the Gage show? So I'm I'm interested to see how that shakes out. But for now, I mean, it looks like the their, like their wide receiver three at this point is going to be, like, a fantasy factor moving forward. I can definitely see that. And yeah, uh, it was four, 54 pass attempts this week. And <laughs> yeah, so that definitely helps. Uh, I have a hard time believing I'll ever, ever feel okay starting Russell Gage in my lineup, though. I mean, I guess he could play sort of the Sanu role and, and have his games here and there. Uh, it would probably obviously be a lot better in baseball. But uh, I, if you could get anything for him based off this game, I'd be all over that. And um We'll go on to so, the next. Oh, no, sorry. I, I had some comments on. on, on I'm games. sorry. I was trying to, <laughs> so, just gonna so right I tried to get to the hour point here. I was no, moving hey, a little faster, hey, but you can you're talking about in. my guys. You're talking about my guys. Mm-hmm. No. So I, I was listening to, to Zach Reed on trade addicts um, yesterday. And I think that they brought in Hayden Hurst to be more of that blocking tight end. And that gauge is going to be, kind of that Hooper Hooper role. Like Hooper wasn't known for blocking. He was a receiving tight end and like they used him to catch the ball. Now, obviously Gage isn't going to go out and get 12 targets a game. Like that's just like, that was a necessity for the game because my Seahawks were doing work. Um, <laughs> let Russell cook. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. They let Russ cook. Um, I, I saw a whole another topic um, through three quarters of any game. The Seahawks had the highest percentage of passing plays of any team out there which is just insane That's awesome. to me. That is insane. Um, but um anyways, I I think Gage is I think he will be viable. Like he's that big body athletic 
guy that I think is going to be kind of Matt Ryan's number three, you know, and Hooper was good last year, even with Julio and Calvin getting his. And I, so I think it's going to be that Gage is the number three and Hurst is, they're going to be his three, four catches a game and, and be in to block. But that, that offense is going to be in passing situations because their defense is so bad that they're going to be in positions for them to throw all year long. So I think that Gage is going to have some pretty sneaky value and will have some some pretty good flex um, where the starts. I actually, I think, started him in two spots where there were rebuilds that I ended up almost winning because I started Russell Gage. <laughs> but um, I think he will have some some viable, like, until I've seen in a couple of weeks, I'm not going to trust starting him. But I think that he's going to have quite a bit of potential and he'll produce pretty decently this year. I think that's a good point about the, him possibly filling the Hooper role, which is going to be a, a a big problem for a lot of those Hayden Hurst truthers out there that were hyping him up off season. Mm-hmm. If he is more of the blocking guy, I think he only had three for thirty eight this week, uh, five targets. So uh, it, it could work out that way. I definitely think you you may have be onto something there. Um, next guy, we're going to try and go through these a little quicker um, because we are running long. But uh, <laughs> but uh, Naheem Hines is obviously was the big story this week. It, uh, I'm not sure exactly where he falls, but I know he was a top five running back this week. And uh, I think uh, everyone knows he, he had a bunch of catches this week. He actually only had two less carries than Jonathan Taylor as well. Uh, is this, uh, is, is Naheem Hines, um, what do you think? Can he be an RB2 this year, maybe? Chris? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm all about it. Because I mean, we were talking earlier uh, about the, just the Colts in general and like Phillip Rivers' tendencies to, to pass to running backs. So if that's now already holding true, like in week one, and now there's even less competition for touches in that backfield with Marlon Mack being out, I mean, that was, I mean, Hines was like supposed to be like that, I mean, that scat back role. I mean, Chris Thompson, James White, Naheem Hines, I mean, they all kind of fit like that same mold. So if now it's really just Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, and we already saw like what his ceiling is capable of, like what he's capable of doing, given enough volume, then sure. I mean, RB2 easily. I mean, I mean, well, flex at the at the minimum, RB2 for sure. Uh, and I think that, I mean, unless they go out and like, you know, sign Devonta Freeman or, you know, some veteran presence to like really round out that backfield. I mean, I think that there's going to be value, like a weekly, weekly value upside, like for Naeem Hines. I'm on board with that too. I think we, yeah, the whole Rivers narrative seems to be playing out. He's definitely going to, and he's definitely, I loved seeing JT catching six passes, but Naeem Hines is going to be more of that guy. And uh, they, they, they had, 15 both had 15 touches in the last game we'll, so they definitely want to keep Hines involved uh, the next guy we have on there is uh, Miles Gaskin who <laughs> out of nowhere no one was caring about Miles Gaskin I just put him on there mainly my point with that was just that I think this basically a lot of us uh, I think we even mentioned it on the show previously thought Jordan Howard Matt Breda could be kind of sneaky plays you could use. And if they're going to involve Miles Gaskin, this basically just makes nobody in Miami usable and you should be getting rid of anybody you can. You agree, Dustin? Yeah. I don't want anything <laughs> to do with the, the Dolphins backfield. I don't want Miles Gaskin. No. 
Right. I don't want Miles Gaskin. Like I said, I'm just more thinking if you can get anything for Howard or Braid at this point, a lot of a lot of people were, you know, sneaky play. You can they, they'll get you some points. I thought Braid it would be a decent pass catching back, but mm-hmm. but they're using Gaskin in that role as well. So uh, so we'll move on and a couple of uh, uh, negative surprises maybe this week. One we talked about earlier, which was uh, Eckler not getting the passing work. Um, do you, uh, Chris, have any concerns about him, though, going forward? We talked about it a little bit when we touched on Josh Kelly. Do you think this changes, or is are we going to be seeing an issue where he's not catching enough passes? Uh, actually, I just wrote about him on my like my new series for football guys, uh, looking at like three lessons that we learned that we could take away from week one. And Austin Eckler was a part of my write up because of the lack of targets. I mean, his uh, his actual like rushing share bumped up. I think he was somewhere about 36, 37 percent uh, when Melvin Gordon was a part of that offense in 2019. So from week five on. But then uh, in week one, he was up to about 57, 58 percent of the rushing share. So that's an I mean, that's an obvious bump, but I mean, just the one target in the passing game, I mean, none of the, the red zone work, uh, I think for, but for context though, uh, the, actually the rushing carry that Josh Kelly was able to convert was after, uh, two attempts from Eckler to get them into scoring position. And then Josh Kelly took it the rest of the way. So I don't know. I really don't know what to take from that, especially considering that they ran at like a fairly slow pace. I mean, Tyrod did not look great in that game at all. They just came up. The main problem, though, was their offensive line. So they did have like a couple of injuries sustained to their offensive line, like coming into week one. So I think that was pretty much the crux of that entire issue. So, I mean, the one thing that uh, I would say like coming up, uh, especially for as I said for the Chargers. So they're playing Kansas City this week. So I don't care like what you want to do uh, as an offense that all those plans pretty much go out the window whenever you're playing Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, I know that Anthony Lynn came out and said because of the, like the pocket movement and all that are supposed to limit uh, check downs to running backs. It don't really matter if you're like playing like 21 points behind. So I would expect at least I, I'm, I'm not expecting them to take that back. I'm assuming that they're going to want to get, more offensive players involved in the offense against Kansas city. And that my expectation is that, I mean, given what Anthony Lynn saw from Austin Eckler out of him in 2019, they would want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. And also looking at what David Johnson was able to do as a pass catcher against, uh, against the chiefs last week. I mean, if they see that tape and see what they can do out of the backfield, I mean, they should be able to use Austin Eckler in a similar fashion in week two. Yeah, that's a really good point about the KC game. I mean, if he doesn't get the targets this week, then I'm a lot more concerned for all the reasons you just said. Um, I'm not really concerned going forward. I I still think they signed him to a a decent extension. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't believe, even despite what Lynn said, I can't believe they're not going to scheme touches for him, including in the passing game. Um, But getting into our last topic before we go on to find me a trade, uh, Dustin, the last uh, thing we want to talk about here is uh, Cleveland, Baker and OBJ. I, I know I was hoping for a bounce back. I've been touting a bounce back. Is this just a product of playing the Ravens week one? We willing to give them a mulligan or is this going to be an issue? Are they not, not, not giving us what we hope for? I think it's going to be an issue. Um, this is dating back to last year. And I, I don't know if ba- maybe Baker doesn't have it. Like I, or they just don't have the chemistry and it's just not going to work. I want to say 
it's a product of playing the Ravens, but the Ravens kind of took themselves out of that in the second half because they were so far ahead that it would have created some garbage time opportunities at least for Cleveland, and that didn't even happen. Like, so I, I legitimately think it's something wrong with Baker and probably OBJ and just them not being on that same page. Um, Jarvis still looked good, and he was banged up going into the game. So um, I saw another rumor that they're looking to trade OBJ. I think this, I, I, I think there's actually a possibility that this happens just because I, I don't know that they they mesh. I just don't know that he's going to fit what they want to do. Um, they invested so much in the, into that line this offseason. And it didn't seem like it gave Baker any more time, really. Um, so I, I'm concerned. I was big on the OBJ bounce back. I thought he was easily going to jump back into the wide receiver one conversation. And after week one, I'm not confident in that at all. He And he even got 10 targets in week one and converted them into three catches for 22 yards. And like you said, Jarvis banged up and and still outproduced him. Jarvis may not even play this week. Uh, you think that and they are playing the Bengals this week who are not as good of a defense. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and see if, if maybe they're a little better. But, Chris, what do you think? Do you think that Baker and, and Odell are basically just uh, – not going to bounce back and 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 maybe aren't as good as we thought they were. Yeah, from a route from a routes run perspective, I mean OBJ was still out there for his normal complement of snaps and routes. Uh, but from from Baker's standpoint, I mean he was second uh, second lowest in uh, on target percentage like for his passes that that was across all starters in week one. So it does look like there's just there's, like he's either regressed as a passer. Um, I know that uh, Hayden Wings from from Roto World, he had a like he had a snap of um, like a picture of one of like a Baker's pass attempts where he was basically like standing like his footwork just looked awful. I mean, both of his feet were like planted side by side while he was throwing. I mean, just all mechanics like completely out the window. So it does look like, I mean, there's just something wrong with how Baker's approaching the game. Maybe he's just doing like too many commercials. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm just hoping that they can find a way to get it back on track. I mean, I get it. It's his what third or like third coordinator in however right. many, in, like in the same number of seasons. So I I mean, I, I understand like he's having to go through quite a bit, but it's just, it's it's always been something like with this offense and with as much as they've invested, I mean, they bring in, so they bring in OBJ last year. Jarvis the year beforehand. Uh, they bring in Austin Hooper this year. I mean, they've got two, I mean, just amazing running backs. And still, I mean, just, I mean, to come out in week one and just get absolutely mauled, like by a divisional opponent like that. Again, I understand that it's the Ravens, but 38 to six in week one, I mean, some, something's got to give. And so I'm, I'm hoping that it, I mean, if they can't, if they can't do the same to the Bengals on Thursday night, I mean, there's there. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure there's going to be like some I don't know Kevin Stefanski in the hot seat or Baker Mayfield wants out or just something like that. Like after the game's game, there's going to be just a number of like tweets or like just leaked news stories about the Browns and some drama. I'm sure after Thursday. Right, and yeah, I'll be I'll be very worried if if they don't turn this around somewhat on Thursday. And I I can see if you want to get out from Odell while he still has the name value. Um, after Thursday, if they're still not doing anything, I, I, I'm actually kind of on board with that um, because I, I'd be starting to get a little worried at that point for sure. I, I'm willing to give a little more of a pass than, than maybe Dustin is off of this Baltimore game. It is Baltimore. I just they, – they need to do it week two or I'm really getting concerned. 
So now we'll move on to our find me a trade segment. Find me a trade. And this week it was submitted by uh, Adam Holtz on Twitter at Mad Dog, the two G's, one, two, zero, zero, one. It's a 12 team PPR, one QB, 1.75 tight end premium league with limited Devi uh, looking into his league. It appears it's one round of Devi, Devi's drafted each season. So not heavy, but there are Devi's on there. Uh, 30 man rosters start 10 uh, acute one each of each position one QB running back wide receiver tight end and six flex uh, his team is it's a, and you're going to hear this there's going to be a lot of hockey uh, team names thrown around if we talk about the teams we're trading to and from his team is is the wild and Dustin you want to go over his roster. Yeah so at quarterback he's got cam and big Ben so I think he's fine there um, his running back is is. I think once you look at our trades um, <laughs> where he obviously needs some help, he's got Rojo, Darrington Evans, Corey Kement, Ido Smith, Bryce Love. He does have Najee Harris um, as his debut for next year, but he really doesn't have a, a starter. Right, and he did back. say that. He, he sent it to us. He said he's really stacked a wide receiver, which you're going to get into. Um, but he definitely needs RB, RB help. Started 0-1-1. He thinks he can be contender, but he, he definitely needs RB help to get there. So go into his wide receivers. Yeah, so he's got Brandon Ayuk, Tyreek Hill, T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun Jackson, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, C.D. Lamb, Jarvis Landry, Anthony Miller, D.J. Moore, Emmanuel Sanders, Denzel Mims, he's got Gabriel Davis, Antonio Gandy-Golden, and Darnell Mooney. So he's overly stacked at wide receiver. Like He's never yeah. going to be able to play all those Almost guys. Almost every guy is either startable or a promising rookie. Yeah. Right. And then at tight end, he's got Evan Ingram, uh, Eric Ebron, Rob Gronkowski, Dalton Schultz now. Um, so he's, he's set at wide receiver and tight end. And quarterback, it's just it's just running back that he really needs help. So I'll, with that, I'll jump into my trade. Um, mine was just an easy straight across, um, trading Justin Jefferson to Kings for David Johnson. Um, looking at the Kings roster, David Johnson was his number four running back, um, and so I think he it's something he could he could part with easily. Looking at him, he's got Eckler, Zeke. Uh, David Johnson, Aaron Jones, and he's got Pollard, Chris Thompson, and David Johnson. So I think he can he can afford to give up um, David Johnson. And that guy's wide receiver room, he's got Marquise Brown, Diggs, Godwin, and Preston Williams. And that's about it. And now Godwin's hurt. Um, so he's not that solid at, at wide receiver. So I think it's a deal that you could potentially get done you know, like I always say, you know, adding a third or fourth to the deal might help. But, and, you know, there's lots of people out there that still like Justin Jefferson. So um, straight across for David Johnson, if you can get it done, I think uh, helps him. He only has to start one running back. So having David Johnson, I, I think, helps that. Um, and it's not a guy that you have to go pay for. And he's not depending on Justin Je Justin Jefferson this year so. Yes, it's so funny. I made notes on your trade when I, you know, before coming into the show, and you touched on almost everything I was going to say. <laughs> Johnson is his RB four. Uh, 
The only thing I do think is receivers aren't that bad, but I think Jefferson may even be considered a little bit. I mean, assuming everyone, you know, the guy still likes him. He was a late first. I think that may even be an overpay for David Johnson. Maybe not given the week one he had, but I definitely think that you would need to do that because um, I'm not sure he totally needs to see. Like you said, he has got Godwin Diggs, Hollywood, Preston. He's also got Crowder. He didn't mention. Um, so I don't know that he's desperate for a wide receiver, but I think that's enough of a, a payment for David Johnson that maybe he can be looking to sell high on DJ with the other three running backs he has. Um, so uh, Chris, any thoughts on this trade? No, I think that's perfect. And I, I do think that given the uh, number of running backs that the, that the other guy like happens to have, I mean, that's essentially how you'd want to start with negotiations, right? Like you're, you're finding a, uh, a weakness on your, your your opponent's roster, and you want to try and hit, like like complement that like with what you're trying to offer. So if like you know if the guy that we're trying we're trying to help here has a number of wide receivers, then of course that would be the one area that I'd want to target, and like that's how you can open the negotiations, right? So I think that that's the right process, and so that's that's a team that I would probably want to open negotiations with like right away and see what we can get done. Okay, yeah, and I think you could also like send if he doesn't like. Um, if he doesn't like Jefferson, you can try Jarvis. You can mm-hmm. potentially package Anthony Miller off of a big week and the, the drama around Alan Robinson right now. So you could do like a, um, you know, Anthony Miller and one of your tight ends or something like that. Like, so there's, you have enough there and uh, enough guys at DJ, uh, at David Johnson's level that you can get a deal done there. Um, you have a lot of guys in that tier with uh, Jefferson and Jarvis and stuff like that, that let him pick which one he likes the best and do the deal. I would be happy with any of either of those two. And I also like what you said initially too, about if you need to throw in a third to get that done, I'd have no problem doing that as well. But Chris, why don't you get into yours? Sure. So, uh, I mean, going along that same thought process, like I, when I was evaluating his roster, I saw the exact same thing. I mean, ton of wide receiver, uh, tw- like ton of wide receivers on his on his team, but then as I was like kind of digging into it a bit more, I mean, so I see like some youth on his team. So I've seen like DJ Moore, right? Like Anthony Miller, like still. I mean, Justin Jefferson, absolutely. CD Lamb for sure. But then also I'm seeing like uh, some like some older guys like Deshaun Jackson, like T.Y. Hilton. And so Deshaun Jackson coming out of Week One, obviously not a guy that really has a ton of trade value. But at least for me, for my dynasty squads, it like I want to try and like at least hop off of like some of those older wide receivers and like get as much value as I possibly can in return. So that's why at least for me, uh, like for my trade advice, um, I had said that I'm trying to package something like T Y Hilton and maybe Rojo and then sell him to uh, predators and try and pick up uh, Melvin Gordon. Cause as we were just talking about Melvin Gordon now having, uh, you know, uh, Phil Lindsay go out with the turf toe, we saw how much he was able to do at least in a, let's say a neutral matchup against Tennessee. Now, if he needs that production, like right now, at least Melvin Gordon can return that. And with predators lineup, I mean, predators, they, he's got Christian McCaffrey and Raheem Mostert. So it's not like, it's not like he's looking to start Melvin Gordon, like anytime soon. So at least, and uh, and also with uh, his wide receivers, I mean, he has Odell Beckham. He actually has Antonio Brown on his roster still. Julian Edelman, who's hurt. Um, and then also I saw, and then Michael Thomas, who's also hurt. So it looks like his wide receivers, like they need help now. So T.Y. Hilton, with, and we were just talking about Indianapolis and how often they're they're passing right now. He Like T.Y. Hilton offers immediate help 
as of right now. And then he winds up getting uh, at least some running back help in Melvin Gordon immediately. And I, I, I definitely like that if uh, the Wild can get that done. Uh, we all know um, anyone listening to this podcast that has listened previously knows I'm not a big fan of Rojo. Um, I do worry a little bit that um, if with both of your trades, actually, the, the, well, I actually I guess with more so with yours because you're trading Rojo, it's just that he still only has one running back. You do only need to start one, but, I mean, he literally has nothing after <laughs> Rojo. I don't even like Rojo, but the, the highest scoring running back on his roster is, after that is, uh, I think, Clement from week one. Mm-hmm. So, But if he can get it done, I still like that. Uh, I guess uh, depending how much the guy likes Mostert as his RB2, I think it could get done. Um, if, if you need to upgrade a little bit from Hilton, I would even be okay with that. If you need to maybe if there's another receiver he likes more, obviously not – you know, uh, the elite guys he has in, in, uh, right. And in, in somebody else, but he's got a lot of guys in, in that kind of second and third tiers. So I, I like that one pretty good. What do you think, Dustin? Yeah. Um, it all just depends on what they think of Hilton. Um, right. you know, I think though it might be kind of hard to buy Gordon right now with the Lindsay injury. So you That's might have point. to add, um, with a Debbie depleted draft though, I'm fine bumping that third up to a second and just adding a second onto the deal, uh, especially in a Debbie depleted draft um, to get that done. Um, I have Hilton and I've tried in a couple of rebuilds and I've tried to sell him and like nobody's valuing him right now. Um, but Rojo looked like the better running back in week one. So maybe you can use that to like Chris said to, to like sell him. Um, but I think he might have to add another piece, but maybe like a Mims or, a guy, an IR wide receiver or like an Emmanuel Sanders or something like that to get the deal done. Um, I think he may have to add another small piece, but I'd be willing to, to, to get that, the deal done. To be clear. So I can stay on brand. Rojo had volume week one. That's what <laughs> happened. <laughs> he still averaged under four yards, but carry wasn't that great in the past game. Anyway, um, I went a little bigger than you two, I think with my trade, uh, a lot of pieces going on, a lot coming back. I went uh, trading, and as we said, there's a Debbie aspect to this, and he has Najee Harris. So I went trade Najee Harris, Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, and his uh, first, which would be a, a 2021, well, a 2021 first. He has two of them, um, which would be Debbie depleted to Blackhawks uh, for Cook, Dalvin Cook, and Fournette. And my thinking was, let's let's go all in for this year. He's got a pretty good roster outside of the running backs. And uh, the guy he's trading him to, the Blackhawks team, is super, like, rebuilding. He's got Trevor Lawrence. He's got he's got uh, Justin Ross, Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, uh, George Pickens. So he's heavy on the Debbies. Even the guys on his NFL roster, most of them are young. He's got Rager, Ridley, uh, even the established guys. Kittle is still young. So he's obviously trying to go young. And it would make sense for him to move off Cook and Fournette and get as much as he can for them. Uh, he still has, if he cares, he still has a couple running backs he could probably start in, in a McKinnon or, or, or a Breda. Um, but it looks like he's trying to rebuild anyway. And um, I, I did put it into the uh, DTC because they're the only one that's Debbie, and it says it's not uh, not enough. Um, mm. uh, I actually think that might even be an overpay. The way I'm looking at it, it's three first in, in Jefferson, Harris, and, and the 2021 first, and then maybe a second in Mims. And he also gets Fournette back 
who um, he has Rojo. So he basically basically gives him two running backs. So if, if Fournette does overtake Rojo, which I expect to happen, um, he'll have Dalvin Cook and whoever the Tampa Bay running back is. Uh, I guess unless it's a 50-50 split, in which case, who knows. But um, So that's what I was trying to do with it. What do you think, Chris? I like that. I mean, it was definitely like, see, I, I'm when I approach trades and this is still like my, I guess me being more of a novice to dynasty than anything else. I always think like inside the box. Okay. Like what can I do for like for this year and maybe for the next couple of years, but you went like outside. I mean, like that was like <laughs> totally swinging for the fences. And I love that because I would have never thought about that. So I, I think that's, I think that's an awesome trade. I like that. Dustin. Yeah, I think after, especially looking at the other team's roster, like seeing his infatuation with youth and all the young players he has on his team, um, he seems like he's one that buys into those hyped up Debbie players. I I think it's something that can that can get done. Like Jefferson's still that hyped up guy, and and Harris obviously is super hyped up, and so I think that's something he could get done just as is. Um, I I when I saw this on the show sheet, I I loved the trade. Um, I usually disagree with most of your trades on there, but this one, you know, <laughs> I thought was one that you could actually potentially get done. So I liked it. I thought it was it was fantastic. And, yeah, and was, a lot of these deals, like he could make both of the deals. Like he could do that's true. My trade to get David Johnson, then he could do like, or he could do two of these trades to to really fix his running back situation without really hurting his wide receivers, and then turn himself into an instant contender. Yeah, and he's got so many. Like you said, he's got so many wide receivers. He could he could do some variation of all, almost all three of our trades, and still mm-hmm. have enough receivers to start every week, and and and, and be a contender. So uh, good trades around all around. Thanks, uh, thanks for uh, coming on. And we're gonna get to uh, I guess sign off here, Chris. So I wanted to let you um, give a chance to plug all the bunches of things that you do. So why don't you do that? Oh, well, first and foremost, I mean, thank you to both y'all for like having me come on and ramble with you guys for, for a little bit. I definitely appreciate it and hope I can stop back in like whenever y'all need a guest. Uh, but if you want to come yell at me for any of my, my bad trade advice or my takes here <laughs> on the show, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. Um, I write for primarily over at uh, over at four for four. I do the quarterback streaming article each week. Um, but I do a couple of pieces over at Number Fire, and then also um, I just started this season over at Football Guys, so you can find me over there, along with uh, some uh, Dynasty work over at uh, DLF as well. So I'm I'm everywhere, but uh, I mean <laughs> primarily just come yell at me on Twitter. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. Definitely looking forward to, de- to Dynasty Owner Manual coming back, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll finish up with our business here, which is uh, my Twitter handle is at Dynasty FF Addict. Dustin's at Dynasty Junkie FF. Follow the show at Dynasty Junkies and follow the DAP Network at DAP underscore network. Please give both us and the DAP Network a subscribe, rate, and review. The ratings and reviews really help out. Let us know what you're thinking. And um, I guess that's pretty much it for this week. And we'll be back after week two. Junkies out.